He who saves one life saves the world entire. And the most important life to save is your own. After all, it's the place where you have the most power. So join shadow worker and trauma therapist Laura Giles each week on It's Not You, It's Me. We'll uncover what's in shadow and learn the things you need so you can heal yourself, grow yourself, know yourself, love yourself, be yourself, and share yourself. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, it's time to drop the self-sabotage and limiting beliefs. A healthy, abundant, connected life is an option. Choose it. Subscribe. And let's start manifesting it. I was watching the movie Clemency and was struck at how great a job they did with making me feel the experience of each of the major characters. I saw what they saw, felt what they felt, and thought what they thought. That's the definition of embodiment. It's wholeness. And today is the spring equinox. It's all about wholeness and balance. Day and night are equals. Masculine and feminine are equals. Everything is available and possible today. For a lot of people, that feels unstable. We focus on setting intentions and preparing for the path ahead because we want to keep moving. We want every question settled. Openness feels too scary. We want to know where we stand, what things are, and what they're going to be. But today I'm going to talk about wholeness and the experience of being embodied and invite you for one day to pause and be everything. But first, let me welcome you to Surviving to Thriving, a weekly podcast that gives you practical ways to bring the teachings of the sacred wheel into your day-to-day life. The sacred wheel is a time-honored, multicultural teaching tool since humanity began, so I don't think there's a better guide for anyone who wants a natural, healthy lifestyle. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, I invite you to do that now and share it with someone who embraces an earth-based, holistic life path. So body-based practices are super popular right now. They're even what I'd call faddish, which is a red flag to me because that often indicates that it'll come and go. But I hope not because being embodied is super important for human life. I mean, that's the earth element. We're all physical creatures and to not be embodied is to be not present in your life. I can think of no greater waste than to get to the end of your life and realize you never lived it. But how many people do exactly that? You know, humans are physical beings and living fully means having your mind, body, emotions, and spirit aboard with each functioning the way they were designed to function. When we're not embodied, we can think our way through life. We can intellectualize it and not actually live it. I think about things theoretically, you know? I have a friend who is so funny. I asked him what he felt about something. I don't remember what it was. And he gave me a scientific answer about statistics and probabilities. And I just laughed because I should have known better than to ask him for his feelings. He's a Dr. Spock. He's an Enneagram number five. He doesn't do feelings. (laughs) These kind of people are air heavy or air dominant. And some of us might be carried away with emotions, so we're ecstatic one minute and depressed the next. We might hyper-focus on emotions that we can't really think too logically. Our feelings 
seem super real, but imagine if you were in a jail cell with no stimulus other than a constant drip, or you're trying to sleep and the faucet is dripping. That dripping can drive you crazy, but if that same faucet was on a playground with kids running around, it would be barely perceptible. It's the same sound, but our focus makes all the difference. All this emotion may inhibit people who are water dominant from doing what we want to do because we're too worried or focused on what we felt, what we might feel, or what we're feeling. It's so big that we can't see beyond it. Then there are fire dominant people who are doers. We do, 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 experience, plan, achieve, and never stop to smell the roses or bask in the process of doing. We just want to be done. So life becomes a sprint. And then at some point we look down at the peak or from the peak that we've scaled and find ourselves alone and lonely. Or maybe we survey the mountain of accomplishments and realize that they don't have a lot of meaning. This is what a fire dominant life can look like. Or, you know, at some point what goes up must come down. And if we have this hard, this life of hard charging and achievement and looking at a life where we have to slow down because we don't have the energy, the support, the health, physical ability, time, or whatever, to keep that up, we can start to feel useless because we measure worth by achievement. That's not particularly fabulous either. Earth-dominant people have a different focus. We can be obsessed with the physical world in many different ways. Maybe we're a health nut who focuses on growing our own food, eating clean, exercising, running marathons, and staying young. Maybe we deny that we're going to die and become so youth-obsessed, fitness-obsessed, or just plain hedonist that we have no relationship to spirit. And when it comes time to die, we're so afraid. This is only one of the ways that an Earth-dominant energy can show up. It can also be money or beauty-obsessed, or so steady and sturdy and plodding, but without the imagination or fire. Or maybe we're so concerned with the afterlife that we aren't living this one. We neglect our bodies, don't think outside the box because we know what's coming and only value that. And don't really bother, bother building anything because we're not anchored here. When spirit dominates, we may not feel like earthlings at all. We may feel more at home somewhere else. And this could lead to a sense of loneliness or abandonment. Wholeness is a different experience. If you're embodied, you have to feel what's going on. You have to deal with uncomfortable realities incongruence and things like betrayals. I get why that might not seem all that attractive. When the load gets too heavy, if we don't have support and great coping skills, we can check out and not be here. I want you to have the most amazing, juicy experience possible. So I hope after this podcast, you'll be inspired to love your body, use your body for self-expression, feel your feelings, think your thoughts, experience your experiences and be alive. That's really what it's all about. And let me tell you, Our society is obsessed with body dysmorphia. Runway models are still waifs who mostly look like tall boys. Most advertisements still feature 20-somethings as the ideal. If you're old, fat, short, or a minority, you're not represented. So self-loathing is a natural byproduct when all the examples of beauty that you see don't look like you. Is it any wonder we're not embodied? We've got so much stacked against us. And then we have the school system, which I've talked about a lot. We come into this world geniuses when it comes to outside-of-the-box thinking and creativity. And then we hit school age. We're given one right answer and told what to think. 
If we don't think that we're wrong, so we become automatons who might get anxious to perform and give the one right answer to any question. Or if we grow up with critical parents, we might also start to ruminate about all the possible questions that could be asked so we're ahead of the game and can avoid humiliation when we haven't thought that wild card question through. That actually happens to me as a coach all the time. I ask a very specific question. I get a five minute answer that covers all the possible meanings of the topic without ever answering the question. <laughs> it might be something as simple as, what do you think about that? Then they go into all these defenses about what they might have thought and tell me what someone else thought without ever telling me what they thought. The mental energy of error becomes the only acceptable way of knowing. Intuition? Forget about it. Not real. The truth of our bodies? No. Not real. As a therapist, I have talked to a lot of women who were raped because they didn't want to have sex, and their partner acted as if they didn't know that or hear that, and so they went along with it because they trusted their partner's answer over their own body. When we aren't embodied and aren't given permission to be whole people, this is the kind of thing that can happen. We need to really value all our ways of knowing to be whole. Then there is abuse. If you grow up with physical abuse, the body becomes a place of pain. You want to escape it. If you grow up with sexual abuse, your body becomes the thing that attracts unwanted attention, so you want to escape it. If you grow up with emotional abuse and invalidation, the only safety you may find is in your mind. So we overuse the mental intelligence to escape our bodies. Our bodies aren't safe places. But maybe we can cope by finding some mental games that make it better. You know, everybody's challenges in this area are different. Mine weren't about abuse. I never heard negative things about my body. I didn't hear positive ones either. I grew up modest, so it's kind of crazy that I became a professional belly dancer. Picture what a professional belly dancer looks like in your mind. Now picture me, <laughs> as a new dancer, going to get photos taken with my friends. We've all got on handmade beginner costumes and we feel pretty special. It's a space where we get to be seen and appreciated, so it's all sparkles and jingles and I feel pretty. And here's me with my skirt pulled up to my belly button. If you did an accurate job of picturing a professional belly dancer, you know that our skirts are way down low on the hips. I knew that too but I wasn't comfortable with that. That was too risque. The photographer didn't care. He was there to serve us and just shot what we gave him. And when I got the proofs and I saw everyone else with their daring bodies and all their feminine glory, I definitely stood out and looked pretty prudish. <laughs> I decided that the feminine form is a work of art and there's nothing shameful about it. The costuming enhanced the overall look of the dance and the dancer and should be appreciated. So the next time we had a performance, I'm getting dressed and it's like a light switch. I pulled my skirt down and I didn't even think about it. I was still more on the modest side, but in a way that empowered me and that was authentic to me. I'm not really sure how to say it, but I felt more like myself because I wasn't hiding. When I had my skirt so high before, it was a way of hiding. Since then, the costume was part of me and what the audience saw was more my genuine and real self. There are moments in our lives when mind, body, emotion, will, and spirit come together holistically and we see ourselves. When I looked at the pictures of myself looking all awkward and self-conscious, I thought, is that me? Is that how I really wanna be? I realized my body wasn't all that connected to the rest of me and that small gesture brought it all back into alignment. 
So how each of us detaches from our bodies and how we reconnect will be really different. The most common way, though, comes from ignoring the body and moving that energy into our heads. We don't have an embodied sense of our lives, but an intellectual one. So we like books and movies that critics tell us are smart and hip. We go to the events that other people say are popular. We like the music that advertisers promote and become followers of the herd. If we notice the still small voice protesting inside of us, we still go along to get along. We give up our power so that there's peace, so that we're loved, so that we fit in. Hey guys, this is the Spring Equinox. Use this energy to feel the wholeness inside. Balance means that we balance self-interest with other interests. We give to others, but we also give to ourselves. The more we fit in, the less independence and freedom we have. And while some of us may want more belonging than freedom, and some the other way around, we all have to find that sweet spot that works for us. We're all here to be ourselves. You are the gift to the world. I'm the gift to the world. And when we withhold that, we cheat everyone. But most of all, we cheat ourselves of the gift of life. So let's explore what it's like to be embodied. I actually owe a debt of gratitude to two clients because this uh, was a topic that came up spontaneously at work in two different ways, right in the liminal space of the spring equinox. See? As within, so without. We're in tune with nature even though we don't know it. So most of the time I'm embodied. Dancing did a whole lot for me in that regard. And I notice when I pop out of it more than one a minute. But these two clients asked questions about it that um, made me sink into it and really examine the elements of what makes somebody embodied. In my head, I'm like... What do you mean you're not in your body? You take your body with you all the time. Your body knows everything that's ever happened to you. How do you lose contact? And what I came to is that we're holistic creatures. Everything is a part of everything else. When one thing becomes unbalanced, it unbalances the whole system. So for fun, let's say that the five elements are all 20% of the whole, right? If I detach from my body, my awareness has to go somewhere else. So if I take away from my earth energy or my body so then it's only now 10% of my awareness, where did that 10% go? If I put it in my intellect, now I'm air heavy and I have 10% earth, 30% air. I'm out of balance. Or if I escape from my body by doing, it goes to fire. If I escape by being overly emotional, it goes to water. If I escape into spirituality, it goes into spirit. See what I mean? But to be truly embodied, I need all those elements to be exactly as they are, balanced. Can you imagine being in a body that doesn't think, that doesn't create, that doesn't feel, and has no connection to spirit? No, right? It's impossible. All of these things are who we are and what we do as humans. We express in different ways, but we all show up in all those ways. As I said, for me, dance was my gateway drug into sensuality. And by sensuality, I don't mean sexuality. It's funny. I googled top sensual movies to get some examples for this podcast, and I got pages and pages of sexual movies. <laughs> I think that's a gigantic confusion in American culture because the only socially acceptable outlet for sensuality in the mainstream culture is sex. No, I don't mean sex. I mean sensuality. Music is sensual, so is food, nature, photography, running. Anything you can see, hear, taste, touch, and smell is sensual. It's of the senses. <laughs> to be embodied means to have your senses online and aware. And dance is movement to music, so we have sound. That sound is representative of a time period and culture. 
It can evoke memories of childhood or bring up feelings of calm or pain. It can help you to get in touch with your feelings, even feelings you didn't know were inside. So music is the framework upon which the dance hangs. It's a structure through which the dancer communicates. If you don't speak Nubian, a Nubian song can seem foreign and unfamiliar, but in the hands of a skilled musician or singer, the emotion is universal, and we can connect through that. And dance, there's movement, it's doing, it's energy, it's emotion. The doing of fire combines with the feeling of water and comes through the face, limbs, and heart. Everybody can move. If you put any genre of music on, toddlers will instinctively start bopping to it. It doesn't matter what kind of music it is, we all respond to rhythm. But it doesn't take long before a parent or friend comes along and judges what they're doing. If they get approval, the expression expands and becomes more confident and creative. If they get criticism or correction, they can contract, control, and even stop moving. The movement becomes stiff and self-conscious. It can also be that way if you didn't grow up with examples of free movement, which is how I grew up. Sometimes stiff, flailing-looking movements is exactly what the situation calls for. But typically, nature has rhythm. It flows. It starts low and slow, builds to a crescendo, then softens again like a wave. We're all energetic creatures, and this energy needs to move. Sitting is the worst thing for free-flowing movement, and most of us sit entirely too much. When I was dancing, I knew a dancer who had braces on her legs as a child. I don't know what was wrong with her, but when she was a toddler, her mother began to train her in belly dance. The braces came off and she became one of the most famous belly dancers in America. So belly dance, Polynesian dance, Latin dance, all engage the hips. And they're pretty gentle because they're folk dances that are meant to be done by the people. They're also whole body dances, so when you do them, the energy in the whole body moves and it's very healthy. The movement creates sensation and sensation is visceral. When we communicate the sensations in our bodies, it's a language that we all speak because there's a limited repertoire of movement. So if I say, I feel a heavy sinking feeling in my stomach, I convey a lot more than if I speak a paragraph about it because I just transferred that feeling to you. You know what it feels like because you felt it too. So if you're watching me move, you're feeling what I'm feeling. We're in a shared emotional bubble, so you can't help it. Those mirror neurons are firing away, and if you surrender to it, you go on a journey with me. If it's a group activity, we all sync up and take each other where we are. Some might say that there's no touching in dance, but in couples dancing, there certainly is. And more than that, I'd say that there's a spiritual connection. I love all forms of couples dancing because it's so sensuous. You have a call and reply, a lead and follow, an invitation and acceptance, and then you break, do your own thing, and come back together again. It's the perfect metaphor for embodiment and balance. Some dancers are kind of tricky, but most have a simple basic step. And once you know that step, you can dance with pretty much anybody. It's like, hi, how are you? Can we share some intimate space and be together for a while? It's really the most intimate you can be with someone else without talking and without having sex. That's how I saw my first love. We were so in sync on the dance floor that it was so intimate and I wanted to get to know the person behind the energy. I wanted to see if that connection could be sustained when we were not dancing too. The only senses that don't come into play while dancing is taste and smell. Other than that, I'd say dance is the perfect medium for feeling embodied. 
You have to think, listen, feel, but not consciously. I think the best dance happens intuitively, so all those things are online, but they're unconscious. At that point, you are being in a state of intuition. You and the music are one. You aren't feeling the emotion or creating it. You are it. You're embodying it. You aren't dancing the dance. You are the dance. If there's an audience, you aren't separate from the audience. You and they are one. It's the same thing if you're dancing with a partner. Your partner isn't there to make you look good or lead or follow. Your hands touch and you're one entity. It doesn't stop there. You're part of the environment. The walls come down. The barriers come down. Whatever has held you back or has been held back by fear can now be exposed. Whatever love is inside can now flow out. I love dancing outside by a fire under the stars because now you can be one with the universe. You just let go, surrender, and be embodied. If it sounds delicious and you want to go there, I suggest couples dancing or ecstatic dance. You may not experience that in couples dancing unless you really know the person and you're both in agreement that you want to share that space. <laughs> they have to be open to that. But ecstatic dancing is specifically designed for that. The space is created to give you that safety. There are boundaries and norms that give you permission to be you, emote, be free, and to connect and disconnect. The music is also designed to facilitate an inner journey to connect with spirit. When you're in that space of surrender and are available to connect to yourself, the other people in the space, the larger environment, that's absolutely a spiritual experience. It's not like one that disconnects you from your body and takes you out of your feelings. It moves you more deeply into your experience as a human. But do you have to do any of that to be embodied? No. All you have to do is be fully here. <laughs> I'm looking at a window right now and seeing the bare tree branches against the radiant blue sky. The sun is lighting up everything, so it's really bright and cheerful, and it's glorious. Taking time to see the beauty of it, listen to the birds, feel the breeze, and push away nothing gives me a sense of being here. But even if I were looking up at a trash heap, the same applies. We don't have to have a pleasurable experience to be embodied. When you see these famous photographs of war and other tragedies, you know what I mean. Maybe you've seen the one called Napalm Girl from the Vietnamese War. There are children running down the street after the South Vietnamese accidentally dropped napalm on their own soldiers and civilians. In the center is a nine-year-old naked girl who ripped off her clothes to get the napalm off her skin. You can't see the burnt skin peeling off her body, but all the horror of that moment is captured in her and the other children's faces. We're here to experience the horror and loveliness of life. In fact, I'd say that the ugliness is necessary to give the wonder perspective and meaning. Nobody likes disappointment, anger, or fear, but success is impossible without a mountain to climb. So let's bring it back to the movie that I opened with, Clemency. Again, it's a movie about capital punishment, and it's so even and beautifully done that I was really present with the issue of capital punishment. It wasn't a story about whether or not the main character was guilty. No, it was a holistic and focused uh, portrayal of execution and how that impacted the prisoner, the prison workers, and the community. And it made me really see what it means for the state and society to have the option to put a criminal to death. Should we have that power? Should we assume that power? What are the implications of that choice? 
Now imagine if we went about our lives with that level of awareness and responsibility. I think that society would shift dramatically if we felt our feelings, thought our thoughts, and were fully embodied, don't you? You could be the beginning of that change. So if you want to use the energy of the spring equinox to have a great new year, a fabulous new beginning, maybe make that your focus. Be careful that you're not thinking your feelings and feeling your thoughts. Everything has to be in alignment. Experience what there is to experience. If you're not experiencing what you want to experience, make different choices. Do what you need to do to get there. Yoga, a ritual, dance, whatever. And when you've got the hang of it, take off those training wheels and live there without the crutch. Remember, it's your natural state of being as a human. And if you don't have the safety to do that, come to my private group and see what it's like to have permission to be you. I realize that this can be like asking an elephant to try space travel. If you've never heard of that and don't know what it is, it can be hard to grasp. I believe you can get glimpses of it, though, in our community. So once you understand it, you can have it. The link is down below. Hope to see you there. Happy spring equinox, guys, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining me. Ciao. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help the podcast thrive, please share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Laura Giles, you can follow her on all her socials at Laura Giles 804. See you next time.